It's the Feckin' Check-In Show. Welcome to the Feckin' Check-In Show. It's the Feckin' Check-In Show. Welcome to the Feckin' Check-In Show. It's the Feckin' Check-In Show. Feckin' Check-In, Feckin' Check-In Show. It's the Feckin' Check-In Show. Welcome to the Feckin' Check-In Show. Show. Hello and welcome to episode 36 of the Feckin' Check-In. I am Trainer and with me as always is my co-host Toomey. How are you doing on this Wednesday evening, Toomey? Yes, Wednesday the 31st of March here for the March Fex. I am in good form, just back from work. I was in the office today in 50% of the time. So yeah, I'm surprisingly in, uh, I think I have more energy due to the uh, the longer days these days. How are you? <laughs> I'm yeah, I'm grand. Yeah, I, I work from home as you know. Will be for the next several months by the looks of it. People are saying October, so um, it's going to be a long time. But I am good. I'm I'm feeling the same with the longer days. I'm uh, getting out walking quite a lot, uh, sneaking in ten thousand steps into any nook and cranny I can find. Sometimes uh, twenty thousand steps from from you. Sometimes twenty. Sometimes more. <laughs> sometimes thirty thousand. That's perverse. 30, 30, Wait, would your legs yeah. be dead after 30,000 steps? I've never done it before. Uh, my legs were quite sore, yeah. Um, but only for that evening. The next day they were fine. Yes, and we're, I suppose, is the first uh, episode since our 100th episode special, which we were obviously weren't doing, which was a bit of a surprise uh, that Sir John O'Groats would take over the whole show. Yeah, like, so if we, if we go back like a couple of episodes ago, that time I had to go somewhere um, to do something. It went really well, by the way. That's good. Um, yeah, it couldn't have went better. Uh, but I was the one who arranged for Sir John to come on. And listening back, I was in shock listening back to that episode a few days later. Did, did he got into that kind of argument with him and it sort of escalated to him hosting the, the 100th episode? Yeah, well, I kind of threw my toys out of the pram a bit. And uh, also didn't really... I was kind of panicking at the concept of the 100th episode special because while we had some guests planned, they weren't ironed... Like, they weren't... Uh, well, I was going to say ironed out there. That's not what I mean. They weren't nailed down. That's wrong as well. Um, they, they hadn't 100% confirmed. <laughs> so he promised guests. And he got he got very, very, very famous guests. So I said, fuck it, you do it. And then he did. But listening to it, uh, well, it was a shit show. Yeah, I mean, he, he like a lot of the people, like he got A-listers on. Like he had uh, Al Pacino, Christopher Walken and Sir Alex Ferguson. But like the three of them, did, they, they seem to be incoherent at times and every single interview ended the same way with him just cutting them off after a while yeah. <laughs> of them yeah. rambling yeah <laughs> we cut ronan keating off pretty quick as well though i know he talked at the guests for most of it but he, he said that he actually said that he hasn't had that much fun in years so i'm sure we, we might have him back on but hopefully in less kind of acrimonious uh, uh atmosphere yeah but what's funny is that the numbers were quite good, but um, no one said anything. We got no feedback on the episode, really, at all, um, except from Andy Byrne, who said uh, that there were good guests. Um, but uh, other than that, like there was no feedback, so I think people were just shocked. Yeah, I think so. I think it was a very bizarre episode compared to our other episodes and very much uh, in a different direction. So it was surprising not to get some, some feedback from that. So. This is the Feckin' Check-In, the podcast about funny observations, entertainment, culture, and kernels of truth. Together that makes Fect and Trainer for this 36th episode on March 31st, 2021. Will you lead us out on your funny observation of the month of March? 
Right, so I don't actually have one here, but again, we're kind of doing one one feck each for a lot of these. But you do, you mentioned something about uh, you have an, an anecdote from Sandy Mount, and also you've mentioned stuff about the dart being like a, a kind of a social event for teenagers. So let me let me throw it over to you, and I will join in because I have some points to make on this myself. It's just a general funny observation. Is this? I was out there uh, in Blackrock Park just for a walk, uh, and. <laughs> to meet somebody <clears throat> and um it was beside the dart there in in uh black rock park there's a car park where i was meeting the person i was meeting and one second so just for our international listeners the dart is a train and it uh, stands for dublin area rapid transit so it's a train line that goes through dublin yes very good and beside this particular dart station there's a huge there's a big enough park and there's like a a lake a, a artificial lake in it and I just the amount of teenagers slash early twenty people it was unbelievable. It was it was a sunny day, but the amount of shorts, both male and female, everyone in shorts. It wasn't that warm, but it was sunny and bright. It was about five o'clock, and they were all like half of them seemed pissed, and they were congregating in groups. They were running in and out of the dart for some reason, hanging around the dart platforms, in at the back on the beach. Like the dart, like it seemed to be this this thing that it's cool now to run really fast onto the train. And then, like, come out in big groups off the train and then walk towards some place that's really important to get to. <laughs> so I've noticed this as well. The gangs of youths. Um, and we, I think we discussed this about a year ago when lockdown first happened. One of the first episodes of the Feckin' Check-In where I was walking up the canal wearing my Iron Maiden t-shirt and a group of girls shouted at me, Iron Maiden are shit. And I was like, as a 34-year-old man, I don't know how to respond to that. This has only gotten worse in the last year. And now with the, the, the sunny weather coming out now, these gangs of youths, they're everywhere. It's not just localised within Blackrock Park, trust me. Uh, they're all around Ashtown. They're all around uh, places I'd be going out walking. And the older you get and the less cool you are and the less streetwise you are, the more intimidating these gangs of youths are. And it's not necessarily what they might do to you to harm you. It's what they might say to you to cut you down. <laughs> cut you down to nothing. Yeah, they could say anything to you. They could judge you. They could say something behind your back. Like, it's their world now. That's the thing. We're just uh, back casts or... Blah, you know, <laughs> what's, what's, Passengers. Passengers. Something casting members cast... Uh, you know Backgr- what I mean. Background characters no, cast uh other cast members i don't know <laughs> yeah. extras no extras yeah something like that extra we're just extras in their world you know the way we're living in their world you know the way that became a meme this is his world and we're living in it we're just merely you ever seen that one the kind of kind of yeah anyway it's... derailed the whole conversation sorry listener yes ruined the episode <clears throat> <clears throat> Yes, so they're out about, and they hurl insults still to you in these recent weeks? No, they don't hurl insults, but I find myself, when I'm walking by them, I try to walk really confidently and not make too... <laughs> make a small bit of eye contact, but not too much. And uh, if I'm with somebody, I tend to increase the volume of the conversation and speak really confidently, as if I'm not phased by them at all. But actually, I'm huge. I'm hugely phased by them. You're completely on edge. <laughs> <laughs> lest they say lest they say anything to me uh, I, was, I was having a coffee today with a friend Darren who lives in Ashtown and um, I actually had to go to the post office so I said do you want to go to the post office he said yeah we walked to the post office and uh, we were walking by such a gang of youths and this very thing happened that I've just explained we were having this conversation and then as we were walking by like I increased the intensity of the conversation <laughs> just I don't know it, it made me feel more confident walking by the youths 
<laughs> yeah. To like go the other way. Just like, I'm not rattled by you, so yeah. I'm going to get in there first and be more confident. Not only am I not rattled, look at me. <laughs> look how <laughs> look me unrattled now, I am. Look at me now, youths. <laughs> Protesting too much about how unrattled I am. Or rattled, I, well, I don't know. Yes. And the youths are, they're in garages, petrol stations, they're in darts. They're on the beach a lot of the time. On the beach in the evening. Uh, beside anywhere with water, they like to sit in gangs. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think this might be a thing about getting old. I find it really hard to judge their age. Not that I'm like like studying them or anything, but it's just like, what age is that person? Are they 18 or 16 or 25? No yeah. idea. Yeah, yeah, I, I know what you mean, yeah. Uh, I was walking into my local centre there the other day, which is featured many times in these episodes, and um, I... Um, was afraid that people were going to ask me to go into the off license for them. <laughs> <laughs> they were hanging around outside, they really clearly have waiting. Me rattled. They do have me rattled. I don't know why. I just feel like a thirty-five-year-old cunt. Um, but, yeah. Well, it's their world, so it is their world. We're only backcast members. <laughs> only, only backcast. <laughs> but uh, do you remember, like when we were younger, like under eighteen, we used to ask people to go into the off license for us, and oftentimes they would, and they'd buy you alcohol. Uh, I I don't think I've ever been asked that really. Well, not in the last ten years, but I reckon I'd say no if someone asked me now. Um, I don't think I, think I would I'd do say it. No. Yeah, no, but now see the difference between when we were that age and now is that it's a huge crime now for the person doing it. Uh, it was, <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was brought into the law like in the last fifteen twenty years that the person buying the alcohol is a massive criminal. Uh, <laughs> or some kind of criminal, some low level criminal. Um, but. Uh, and it, it also has career ramifications if anything goes wrong. Like, it's just not worth it for us to, to be nice to the teenager. No, but then I think, like, um, the poor bastards, you know, they have to get drink somehow. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they'll find a way. <laughs> Those 16-year-olds need their drink to be able to function so- socially and talk to members of the opposite sex. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Or the same sex. Or the same sex, yes, of course. Right, so moving on to entertainment, the E for entertainment. Um, I saw this thing on Facebook today, right? It was from uh, a company called SD Entertainment, uh, even has entertainment in the name, and they promote concerts, gigs in the north of Ireland, basically. And um, they said, saw this and thought it was definitely worth sharing. So they're sharing somebody else's post. So I don't know where it originated, but um, it's about concerts coming back and it basically puts down some rules that you should adhere to if you're going back to concerts. Rule number one, no guest list. Don't ask, not now. Everyone in the live music industry has been out of work for 13 months and we need all your support more than ever. Buy the damn ticket. Uh, Rule number two, support local. Before you buy that high priced ticket to see that big name uh, at the big corporate venue, consider putting that money back into your own community. Rule number three, wear a mask. If you're going to a show, a tiny clot over the mouth and nose, period. Vaccinated, don't care. Already had it, don't care. Coronavirus is a hoax. Don't care. <laughs> we only got. We only. I'm guessing it's American who wrote this. We only got one shot at restarting this machine. Please don't be the one who fucks it up. Rule number four: We're not babysitters. We get it. Social distancing sucks. Masks suck. You're tired of washing your hands after more than a year of isolation. All you want to do is lean in, 
close and spew your spittle on friends and strangers alike but it's been 13 months you know the rules by now please don't or sorry please follow them rule number five no free drinks don't ask rule number six tip your bartender 20% is okay 25% is better I'm guessing that's not aimed at Ireland because that's just not done whatsoever but anyway uh, rule number seven support the scene can't make the show no problem it costs zero dollars and zero cents definitely American to support us in other ways share the posts listen to the music invite your friends rule number eight be kind look it's been a while we're gonna be a little rusty so much of what needs to happen in order to bring back live music safely is new for all of us fans, venues, promoters and artists alike rule number 9 go to the merch table support the artists buy the t-shirt rule number 10 have fun any thoughts on that? <laughs> well uh, I my first thought was uh, that they said uh, rule number 7 support the scene can't make the show no problem it costs zero dollars and zero cent uh, to support us I was thinking they don't actually ever say that phrase for euros you'd never say it costs zero euros and zero cent to support us but that was that was just distracted me so that, that wasn't <laughs> that wasn't the main thrust of what you I'm I just curious that that uh, what you you were thinking of this because I, I could I have kind of I, I'd like to sit back and, and kind of hear what you have to think on this sure okay so well I think the thing about no guest list is spot on uh, I mean I've never been in the position to be on a guest list for anything but um, I can understand venues promoters and artists telling people no don't even think about asking for a free ticket because we've been unemployed for over a year so fuck off <laughs> basically but I'm, I'm, I find it strange that some people might need to be told that presumably everyone would know not to even ask for a free ticket for a concert uh, after a year of inactivity support local yeah, I can understand that. Um, I love to go to local gigs as much as I can in smaller venues. Uh, if bands play in them, I'll go to them, definitely. Wear a mask. I don't know if we're going to have to in Ireland. I'm not sure. I haven't heard anything specifically about that. But if we do have to, while uncomfortable, I'd, I reckon I would. Uh, obviously, if you have to, you have to. We are not babysitters, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's a bit of a wishy-washy one uh no free drinks okay but i'd never ask for a free drink anyway uh, anywhere um so maybe this is maybe this is the same type of people who are looking for the free tickets or looking for free drinks but yeah absolutely buy your fucking drinks tip your bartender 20 percent. that's mental in ireland that's just not done whatsoever it's not part of the culture at all uh you tip a lounge staff member maybe one or two euro per round uh so maybe if i was getting served drinks at a table at a gig can't imagine this ever happening but if i was i might try and tip a bit more than i usually do uh Go to the merch table. I always go to the merch table anyway. Have fun. Uh, I always do. But I think a lot of the stuff is just common sense and logic. And some of the other stuff is maybe aimed at people who are a bit like uh, beggars and hangers on. People looking for free tickets or free drinks or people just being idiots or whatever. But um, it's, it's all quite logical to me. But maybe it needs, maybe it's worth saying and sharing. Um, yeah, that's what I was thinking. A lot of that is common sense and common decency. So... Yeah, uh, but maybe it is. Maybe some people do need to be told. Um, <clears throat> I think the wear a mask one, rule three, is interesting. And I think that a lot of concerts for the next year or two, you we will see people wearing masks. And it could, could develop into a culture war between those people who feel that they don't want to wear a mask and those people who feel that everybody should wear a mask. So you can already see like that's... People could feel strongly either way, and I wondered, will that affect the the atmosphere at the concerts? Yeah, like you see these videos. There was one recently where a group of people got into an Uber in the US, and the guy who was driving the car had a camera filming 
the inside of his car and it was three girls who were sitting in the back seat and he asked them to put on a mask they said no uh, they ended up coughing on him and spitting on him and, and taking his phone um, and they were arrested with uh, arrested with like robbery and <laughs> all sorts of stuff it was Youths. mental <laughs> Youths, yeah. but like they were so offended and put out that he asked them to wear a mask in his own car so you'd wonder I, I don't know I can't see full concerts going ahead where everyone is wearing a mask I just either see it not happening until we don't have to wear a mask or possibly people who just won't comply with it. But like, I can't imagine the whole three arena wearing masks. It just seems weird and bizarre. Yeah, I would. F- I would find it if I was at that situation. Even if the coronavirus is under control and we've all been vaccinated, I would still feel very anxious in an at an indoor concert surrounded by thousands of people. I'd be. I'd be wary that some version of the coronavirus might be lurking around, or that I might spread it to somebody who's not vaccinated. And I'd be, it would just, it would cause a lot of stuff in my head. I'd be anxious about a lot of things. And if I saw people without masks and people mixing around, that might trigger my beliefs as well. Yeah. I'd say, though, we'll have to prove vaccination before we go to a concert at all. Like, this is one of the huge, or one of the huge bones of contention for people, which is this, like, um, basically having to prove your status of being vaccinated and then medical records been kept on file and then been chipped <laughs> and passports been chipped and all that shit. Yeah. yeah it's a yeah it's a big logistical thing and maybe it, it will be that there's there's a divide between people who might be up at the front of the mosh pit who obviously don't want to be social distancing and want to just let loose and then there might be people up in the balconies and stuff who want to just socially distance or might there might be sections for social distancing or something i don't know <laughs> what, what, what's funny is about this one is as well one of the points is wear a mask but then two of the other points refer to drinking so i don't know how those two can coexist how can you drink if you're wearing a mask um is the mask ma- mandatory i don't know who wrote this to be honest so uh, who knows what they're basing it on really i just thought it was an interesting talking point because there are stuff there's like a band called Ailstorm playing in the National Stadium in December if things are allowed to go ahead. But what I find is interesting is that a band like that is booking a venue like that, which is huge. But do we know anything about how many people are going to be allowed in? Will it be full capacity? Will it be masks? What the fuck is going to actually happen? Like It seems like people are still in some way kind of pissing into the wind a bit because they don't really know exactly what's going to happen in a few months' time either. Even though it looks positive, it looks encouraging, it's still an unknown. And the concerts, it seems like such a complex thing, even from talking to you a little bit about it and just thinking about it for two minutes. There's so many questions that, that are unanswered about it. So it's not something you can just put a date on and say it'll be grand. Yeah, yeah. And we're not going to answer any of them here today either. No. <laughs> you <laughs> answered them, listener. So moving on, it's C for culture. And this is a point I feel we may have discussed before. and But I don't think it took up an entire topic. So this is, if you're, <laughs> this is related to me more so than you. But it was related to you up until a few months ago. Um, and it relates to a conversation I was having with a listener, Andy. Um, 
as well recently on Twitter. And it was basically what you refer to your significant other as if you're not married, but you're an adult. And um, your options, you have a few. So let's say I'm going out with a woman. I can say my girlfriend, uh, my partner, my other half, my significant other. Uh, you could say the mat. The mat, if you're Irish, yeah, M-O-H-R-M-O-T, uh, which is my other half. That's where that came from. Um, and then your options are kind of limited after that. But if none of them feel right, um, it's an unusual one because you have to pick one of them and you have to stick with it. And then you become a bit older and you're like, how long can I keep saying girlfriend for? Because that's what I say at the moment. But, you know, uh, we're we're a couple in our in our 30s and early 40s. When, when do you start calling a girl a woman? <laughs> a girl a woman, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's a very good question as well, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the crux of this thing? <laughs> yeah. Girlfriend is now redundant. You can't have a 65-year-old girlfriend. Yeah. There's a, there's a, yeah, because if you're, let's say you're talking about somebody, a female co-worker, you'd be like, yeah, there's a girl who works in my office who uh, has um, a pair of 3D glasses or something yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you would say, if the woman, if the person was, 65 you're going to be saying woman it's a woman there's a woman who works in my office i work with a woman who has two pairs of 3d glasses is the tipping point around 40 you wouldn't like there's a woman in my office who has 30, who has 3d glasses there's this woman yeah <laughs> it is it is the crux of it yeah I, I suppose it's a case-by-case basis yeah you could you could call her a girl but <laughs> what about when she gets to her 50s yeah. There's this girl in my office. Maybe, maybe. But some people in their 50s do refer to their friends. I know I've... I've gone out with the girls. Female friends, yeah. Gone out with the girls, yeah. Girls' night out. Girls' night out. You wouldn't say a women's night out. No. <laughs> There's something about women. Woman is more formal, isn't it? It is more formal, yeah. It's like, and it's associated it, with age. Yeah, it's more formal and, and related to age, certainly. Uh, but it seems like girl is used forever. Um in some situations, like girls' night out or whatever. And it um, seems to be the same with boyfriend as well. So it's not just girlfriend. So we're not going down this whole... It's it's about the, the words girls and boys. <laughs> yeah, it is, yeah. But uh, but see, I suppose it's I suppose it's then when, when do you start referring to um, a person you work with as a man? <laughs> a male colleague, let's say. Because yes. I might say a lad, a lad in work. But I'm not going to say that if the man is 60 years old. Yeah. So he's I'm gonna a man. Say, I'm going to say a man in work. I think we've drifted into the period around now, around the mid thirties, forty. Yeah. I think that's when you make that transition, mm. like a yeah. man, grown what? man. So it puts you in a bit of a conundrum now with your current significant other. So, so girlfriend is kind of off the table. Well, it's that's what I use, and I think Elaine uses boyfriend as well. Um, but like, it's it's still a bit weird. Partner to me feels feels far too formal, and it just doesn't seem correct either. Then there's uh, my other half, which I've never said. So and then there's I don't my f- better half. My better half, yeah, that's a bit, yeah. yeah. I yeah. don't know, it's a bit creepy. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's looking for brownie points already. Yeah. I'm so modest. <laughs> I had the, the better half, you know, you know, yeah. the better half. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just, um, it's, a, it's an odd one, but you have to kind of pick one of them and settle on it. And then that, that's it. Her. I, I used to work with a man who just used to say her. So this is his longtime girlfriend. Um, uh, yeah. yeah, and he used to say whore, and he used to almost say it like with disdain <laughs> that, he, that he had to say it. Yeah, with whore. And he'd be like, uh, "Who's picking you up from work?" He'd be like, "She is." 
putting yeah, one in that good name. I think that's just inherently rude to to refer to someone like that. Yeah, but then you can also just call the person by their name as well forever and never use a, a term ever, <laughs> and then expect people to know who you're talking about. Even but if the first time you meet people, you can't just use the person's name because they won't know who you're talking about. Yes, you could be talking that, about your cousin, your aunt, your mother, uh, your your optometrist. So in that one occasion, you could select one of the unsatisfactory terms. You could go for partner or significant other. Yeah. or girlfriend and just live with the pain <laughs> yeah. for that one occasion and then as soon as that's over switch them over to the name yeah and just use the name forevermore i think that's what i used to do actually and i think that's what i do now um select one say it a couple of times when you've uh you know when you've done the damage with that then you just switch to the name and then that's used forevermore i think that's the best solution really i think we've solved it there <laughs> we have solved Can it. Have that one for free And then K, it's a kernel of truth. And this one's from you. So fill us in. What's the kernel of truth for March? This is stolen from David McWilliams, who is an economics uh, podcaster at the moment in Ireland. And he's talking about the housing crisis in Ireland and how it's a bit of a joke with there's very low supply with the halting of construction and there's no new houses on the market. As a result, uh, house prices have gone crazy in Ireland and during the, the lockdown, which is counterintuitive, but actually makes sense because the supply is now much lower than the, the demand. Um, but his whole thing was like we, when we when people get to a certain age, when you start to have kids, when you get married and if you if you just yeah, just at a certain age, you feel under pressure to buy. And he said the worst mistake you could you could do is actually go with that pressure when th- when the market is so unstable and when th- there's so many different factors against buying. And he said something along the lines of sometimes the best decision is to do nothing. And I, and I thought that, that kind of resonated with me in terms of house, buying a house type of decision, but also in other ways too. And I think you can make kind of, you can make a lot of mistakes that way. It's like if you feel like there, something's happening in your life, not even house prices, or house buying a house. If you if you have that urge to do something, then sometimes it can backfire. So the, sometimes the best decision is to live with the uncertainty and yes. do nothing. That's that's true. And funnily enough, I didn't know what your point was for this fully. You just gave me a basic outline about it. And I was chatting to Darren, who listened to that podcast by David McWilliams today when we walked to the post office. Um, and he is in the position as well of looking to be buying a house soon enough. But uh the, the one counter argument he brought to the table was that people will say to you, but you might as well buy now because the money you'll spend on rent in the next 12 months will be more than houses will depreciate by. Uh, yeah, um, I think that's yeah, that's one argument. Yes, Let, let's say you're paying 2000 euro per month in rent and over 12 months, that's 24 grand. Are you or are people expecting the house they're looking at now to depreciate by twenty five or twenty four thousand within twelve months? Yeah, well, it's a good it's a good counterpoint, but I think the house prices, like some of them are fifty grand over over the odds, some of them are hundred grand over the odds. Like houses are going up. Like I I was looking at one particular house that went online on the twenty sixth of March. It already has three bids on it. 
while there's no viewings as well. So that's why it's kind of crazy. Like all the houses I've registered an interest in and have asked, is there offers on this? They've been like, yes, there's an offer on this and it's it's X and it's usually a good bit over Quote, the asking, yeah, yeah. asking price. So I, I don't know. It's a, it's a good counterpoint. Like, But that's just one of the issues. The other issue is that you're not going to be able to buy a house that, that you like a lot of the time. So you, you select a house that fits all your criteria in your price range. You can't physically buy it because three or four other people are bidding on it as well. So if you get into that situation where the houses you actually want, you don't, you don't, you're not able to buy. The worst decision would be to buy another house to settle for another house that you, you you're not into, just to make that decision to buy a house. If you know what I mean. Yes, I do. I do, and uh, I know I understand. And I think Darren's counter argument to that counter argument was, yeah, it's like yes, but coronavirus is such, um, it's such a variable. Like it, cr- it will create such a variable that we really don't know what's going to happen in twelve months, and that there's a strong likelihood that the whole market for housing could be changed because you've got people moving out of office buildings, which we talked about in previous episodes, and then I I brought up that you've got all these semi-built office complexes that had to abandon construction halfway through covid and now are half built they're built for commercial purposes but is anyone going to want to move into them who knows possibly not so they could be turned into residential premises um so in theory the housing market could the prices could plummet because there's you've got the people exiting the city um more housing being available uh, more commercial properties been turned into residential properties so you might as well gamble for another year and just see how, how you get on. It's probably not going to go up really in that time. So is it, if I'm clear there, is that an argument? To, to thought, do nothing. To do nothing. I thought he was arguing to do something at the start. He wasn't arguing. He was just presenting uh, an argument somebody had said to him. Ah, all that right. I thought was interesting. It felt like he sw- he switched sides. I no, was no, this this argument. No, this <laughs> this was what one of his friends had said to him. So okay, you'll pay more in rent than you will blah 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 blah. Um, and then his point back was, yeah, but coronavirus is such a mystery, and it's likely that X Y Z and. If worse comes to worse, yeah, we've paid another year in rent, but we've saved quite a bit as well. So. And like to broaden that out from from just housing i quit a football team too too quickly because i wanted to make a decision and late so it was only a couple of months before the end of the season the team went on they did really well in the league and they won the cup and it was the first cup that the team had ever won Mm. and i went to that match to watch it and i was hanging around afterwards like a spare whatever and i was i just regretted it because i could have just hung in there for a couple of more months and just not made a decision. So the best thing to do there was to do nothing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So, but he would so have yes. been unhappy for two more months. Yeah, but I think I could have lived with that. I think I, I could have like let it settle down. Let it sit for like a week or two. Regrouped. Maybe had a word with the manager. But it was just that kind of impulsive decision. And I've, I just noticed a few times in life, like sometimes you do that. Or lots of people, anybody would do that. And sometimes it, it doesn't quite work out. So I think with the housing, it could be like to get into that mindset where you have to make a decision and do something could be a very costly, literally, mistake. Mm. Yes, yes. Very interesting. Nice analogy there to football. Yes. All right. Well, look, that's brought us to the end of the feckin' check-in for March. Absolutely. March feckin' check-in. And I'm going to put it back over to you to bring us out on... The song of the week, you were thinking of going to a few concerts uh, in the upcoming months. Maybe you want to choose 
a song from one of the bands you're intending to see, or maybe you would come up with something completely different. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna choose the song "Drink" by Ailstorm. Very good. I don't know anything about that song or that band. So they're playing. Well, hopefully they're going to be playing in the National Stadium in December. I'm a, a, quite a big fan of these guys. I've seen them a couple of times, and the song is called "Drink." And the chorus is, "We are here to drink your beer, to steal your rum at the point of a gun. Your alcohol to us will fall. We are here to drink your beer." Absolutely, that's a lovely way to sign off. Are you geezer beer?